turn together to the book of Psalms and the 23rd Psalm. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The text for the sermon this morning is the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. These are precious words to every Christian. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I remember my pastor telling a story about this psalm when I was a young person at Southeast Church. He said he brought this psalm to the deathbed of an old aunt of his who was unconscious and not speaking. But when he started to read Psalm 23 to her, she opened her mouth and began to recite it word for word in Dutch. She hadn't spoken a word of Dutch since she was a little girl. But the words of this psalm were hidden deep in her soul. And there, on the brink of eternity, it came out of her in the language she spoke as a child. Precious words. These are words that arose out of the soul of David, who understood their meaning by experience. David had been a shepherd of sheep himself. It's tempting to imagine David singing the psalm with his harp under some tree near his sheep, as a young man, David had been there and done that. He had led his flock to the green pastures and beside still waters. He had put his life on the line for his sheep, fighting the lion and the bear with his rod. But David likely wrote these words later on after he became the king of Israel. There's a similarity, you see. To be a shepherd of the lives and souls of God's people wasn't all that different from being a shepherd of sheep. And David's experience as a shepherd of sheep was really God's way of preparing him for the work that was ahead of him as the king of Israel. But probably the most standout important aspect of this psalm is that David is not talking about himself as a shepherd, even though he was a shepherd both of sheep and of God's people. But David is talking about himself as a sheep. Yes, I've been a shepherd after a sort, David seems to be saying. But first, I am a sheep, and my shepherd is the Lord. 
And that must be our thought also as we approach the Lord's table together this morning. We come to the table as sheep. And our confession as sheep is the confession of the psalmist, Jehovah, he is my shepherd. That's the theme of the sermon this morning, Jehovah is my shepherd. First, we're going to identify this relationship that we have with God as the shepherd with his sheep, and then what that relationship means for Jehovah as our shepherd. And then secondly, we'll come around and see what this means for us, and then We'll conclude with what David is in fact doing in this psalm, which is confessing this as the truth, the truth for himself and for God's people. Jehovah is my shepherd, first, what this means for him, second, what this means for us, and then finally confessing it. So David the psalmist describes a unique relationship here between himself and his God. He uses the picture of a shepherd Now, what is important about a shepherd is that a shepherd is clearly the one who is in charge. The shepherd is the man who holds the symbols of authority and direction that the sheep recognize, namely the rod and the staff. He is the person to whom all the sheep look for protection, for guidance, and for provisions. Without the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, and one by one they will be picked off by hungry predators. With the shepherd... The sheep are calm. They stay together. They have everything they need. There's the shepherd, then there are the sheep. The sheep are in a position of dependence, of absolute dependence. It's not just that the sheep would be better off with a shepherd as opposed to being off on their own in the wild. Maybe you have a pet dog. And maybe your pet dog would be okay in the wild if he was conditioned to it. But a sheep, by its very nature, will die if it's left to itself in the wild. Sheep are the very definition of domesticated animals who rely upon their human benefactors. There is this relationship, therefore, that develops between the shepherd and the sheep, a very unique relationship. We do not live in rural setting ourselves. And most of us probably only interact with animals at the zoo or maybe through pictures and videos. But maybe some of us grew up on a farm and we understand the unique kind of relationship that can develop with animals. It's not a purely utilitarian relationship, as in these animals are not merely the tools that I use in order to get money if I am a farmer and I have animals. There's a kind of bond that grows. And if that's true on a small farm with cows and horses and goats, it's all the more true with a shepherd and a sheep. There's a real bond that grows between them. David would not run out to face a lion and a bear if his sheep were simply the means whereby he made his money. David loved his sheep He was their shepherd. They were his helpless sheep who depended upon him. So much so that he even put his life on the line and risked his own safety for their well-being. That's the relationship then that's being used as a picture to describe the covenant with God and his people. Jehovah, the Lord, 
is my shepherd, David says. Jehovah is God's name. And you children, you might not know this, but when you look at verse 1, and it says, the Lord is my shepherd, that word Lord is in all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And when you see the word Lord in all capitals in your Bible, that means it's the name Jehovah. And Jehovah is the name of God. When Moses found himself speaking to God in the burning bush, he asked the person he was speaking to, what is your name? If you send me to go talk to the people of Israel, what name do I tell them is the the God who spoke to me? And the answer that was given to him is, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And that phrase, I am that I am, is where we get the name Jehovah. Jehovah means I am. And that tells us something about the nature of this shepherd. The shepherd is Jehovah. I am that I am. Now, if you look around you, everything that you see has a beginning. You have a beginning, and the people sitting in the pew next to you have a beginning, and this building and all of the materials that go into the building, the construction of this building has a beginning. There was a moment in time in which none of these things, including you, did not exist, and then there was another moment when they did. And that fact that we have a beginning tells us that we are dependent creatures, We have limitations. We have needs, like food and drink. We need time so that we can grow and develop and mature. We need space in order to move around and have our life. But not God. God is I am that I am. He's the one who's always there, who has always been there, and who always will be there who fills all things and exceeds them because he is the infinite and eternal God. But there's more to the name than a statement on what sort of being God is. Notice, it doesn't just say God is my shepherd, but it says the Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. In other words, this God, this eternal being, has a name. The God who created the world, who is himself limitless, has a name, Jehovah, a personal name. He can be known. And he is a person who knows us. And he's my shepherd. Which means that we are the sheep. Unlike God, who is self-existent and eternal, you and I did not create ourselves We did not spring into existence by our own free will or by an autonomous choice. We were born. And we were born only after Jehovah, our creator, and our shepherd knit us together, piece by piece, in the darkness of our mother's womb. We are in a position of dependence on the eternal God whose name is I am that I am. And we depend on him for more than just the fact that we are here 
as in the fact that we were created and born, but we depend on him to open his hand to us every day so that there is bread and water for us. We depend on his mercy to forgive our sins and give us standing with him. We depend on his goodwill toward us, his favor toward us, which he does not have to show us, but we depend on him to show it to us. He is the shepherd. He is the independent, the self-sufficient one. We are the sheep. And there is a relationship between Jehovah, my shepherd, and me, his sheep. And it's that relationship that makes this psalm, and specifically the words of our text this morning, so precious to every Christian. Jehovah is my sovereign, my shepherd, the one who guides me, feeds me, and cares for me. And I am his sheep who depends on him, follows his lead, eats out of the hand he opens to me. And at the center of that back and forth, where the shepherd provides for my needs and I eat out of his hand, there is warmth. There's a life, there's a joy, a relationship, a freedom. Jehovah is the good shepherd who knows his sheep and who speaks to them and they hear his voice and they recognize the sound of his voice. He's the covenant God who binds himself in love to the people of his pastor and draws them by the power of his voice to himself That relationship, the covenant, is at the heart of what the psalmist is proclaiming here when he sings, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now typically when we read the psalm, we read it from the perspective of ourselves, which is from the perspective of the sheep. And the perspective then is, what does this mean for me? And that's important, and we're going to get to that. But let's start with something that maybe we don't consider as quickly, which is, if the Lord is my shepherd, and I am his sheep, and there is this relationship that exists between us, what does that mean for him? And we're going to consider three implications of this relationship for Jehovah. And the first thing it means for him is that he lowers himself for our sake. There's a condescension that is inherently connected to this designation of Jehovah as our shepherd. It's true, as we said before, that the shepherd is the person who's in charge And it's interesting that kings in the ancient Near East would often portray themselves as shepherds for this reason. They would carry around a scepter, and their scepter was in the shape of a shepherd's staff or crook. They were saying, I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep, you follow me. With that background in mind, we can recognize what David is doing in this psalm once again. David is the king, but he's making a point about the nature of his kingship. Though he is the king of Israel, he is not claiming ultimate authority over the people that he rules over, like the other kings in the Near East were doing. But he is, first of all, a sheep. And he says, I, the king of Israel, I, David, 
have Jehovah as my shepherd, and he ultimately is the shepherd of all of you as well. There's sovereignty inherently involved in the position of the shepherd. But perhaps even more than the sovereignty, or perhaps more striking than the sovereignty, is the condescension. Of course, we know that Jehovah is sovereign. He is, I am that I am. He created all things. What is shocking is when this God chooses to display his sovereignty in the role of a shepherd. The thing about a shepherd is that he has to go live with his sheep. Shepherd doesn't get to sleep in a warm bed at night. Shepherd has to go live in the wilderness. He has to go sleep outside, beside his flock. Remember the story when Samuel came to the house of Jesse looking for the king that God wanted him to anoint? And Samuel went through all of the sons of Jesse, and it was finally David who they were looking for, but David wasn't anywhere around. Why is that? It's because he was off with the flocks. He's way off in the wilderness, leading the sheep to the place where there's pasture. The job of a shepherd is a humbling job. It's a job that nobody else wants to do, which is why it was given to David, the youngest. But Jehovah is my shepherd. He doesn't stay far off in an upper chamber where he can't see us or be with us. He comes near to us. He comes near to us even though that means lowering himself for our sake. But he loves his sheep. And his love for his sheep leads him to take knowledge of us, to see us, sometimes to go off into the valley when we stray in order to bring us back. It's a difficult, humbling job. The second thing it means for Jehovah to be our shepherd is that he takes ownership of us. Maybe you've heard of the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And I read a couple chapters of that book as I was preparing for this sermon. And it struck me what the author said about taking ownership of his flock. This is what he says. The day I bought my first 30 ewes, my neighbor and I sat on the dusty corral rails that enclosed the sheep pens and admired the choice, strong, well-bred ewes that had become mine. Turning to me, he handed me a large, sharp killing knife and remarked tersely, Well, Philip, they're yours. Now you'll have to put your mark on them. I knew exactly what he meant. Each shepherd has his own distinctive earmark, which he cuts into one of the ears of his sheep. In this way, even at a distance, it is easy to determine to whom the sheep belongs. It was not the most pleasant procedure to catch each ewe in turn and lay her on a wooden block, Then notch it deeply with the razor-sharp edge of the knife. There was pain for both of us, but from our mutual suffering, an indelible, lifelong mark of ownership was made that could never be erased. Jehovah takes ownership of us. He puts his mark on us. He claims us as his own so that we are visibly represented as his sheep, And thereby, he takes responsibility for us. He takes responsibility for our welfare. He pledges himself to our care. 
And if you know the words of Jesus, you know what that means. Jesus says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? He lays down his life for his sheep. He takes ownership of us. And that leads us to the final thing that this relationship means for Jehovah, which is having taken ownership of us, he expends himself for us. The psalmist says, I shall not want. Everything I need to live and flourish as a sheep will be provided for me by the shepherd. I lack nothing. But that begs the question, where does it all come from? Where does all this lack that is provided to the psalmist as a sheep, where does it come from? And the answer is it comes from the shepherd. The shepherd who expends himself for the benefit of the sheep. I shall not want, I shall not lack, because he willingly empties himself to fill me up. I shall not die, because he lays down his life in my place. My body shall not be broken, because he suffered his body to be broken on the cross in my place. My blood shall not be shed because his blood was shed by the spear that pierced his side. I shall not be forsaken because he was forsaken for me. His taking ownership of us means something. And what it means is that he expends himself. He lays down his life for us. The Lord is my shepherd. If I had any other shepherd I would want meaning I would starve, I would languish, and finally I would die. If the devil was my shepherd, I would become the dinner on his plate. If I were my own shepherd, I would end up running off a cliff in my foolishness or getting eaten by a wolf. But the Lord is my shepherd. He takes ownership of me. He expends himself for me. Therefore, I shall not want. That brings us to what this relationship means for us. There's an important sense in which this relationship ought to humble us deeply. It's humbling for Jehovah, but it also ought to humble us. First of all, what it says about you and me is that we are sheep. That's what the psalmist is saying about everyone who believes in Jehovah, who is related to him as shepherd. I'm a sheep. I remember not so long ago, this was the insult that everybody was throwing around. If you wear those masks, it's because you're a sheep. If you get that vaccine, that's because you're a sheep. It was meant in a derogatory sense. In other words, you're just blindly following the ideas of others. You have no agency or intelligence of your own. You're just a dumb sheep. Well, the Bible is saying, if you're a Christian, you're a sheep. There's something inherently humiliating about that. I am not myself a shepherd. As in me personally, I'm not, that's never been my occupation. I've not interacted with sheep personally. But I am reliably told by others that they are not the most intelligent of animals. They are not independent. They are not self-reliant. 
And when they try to be independent and self-reliant, they get themselves in trouble. They need to be taken care of. Otherwise, they will die. Can you say that about yourself, beloved? Now, that doesn't mean you have to be the sheep of every person who stands up and speaks authoritatively about this or that issue. It is true that when men lead other men, sometimes they become the blind leading the blind. Nevertheless, what the Bible is saying is, before Jehovah your God, this is what you are. If you are his child, if you want to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom, if you live by faith, that means you're a sheep. You don't know all the answers. You cannot save yourself, and if you try, you're only going to get yourself into trouble. It's humbling. It should also humble us when we think of what Jehovah has done for us as our shepherd. There's something shocking about the idea of a shepherd laying down his life for sheep. We would probably scold someone today as being reckless if they risk their life for sheep. You went out and you fought a lion and a bear with a wooden stick in your hand and nothing else for sheep? What's wrong with you, David? What were you thinking? You could have been killed. But if we find that shocking, it's far more shocking when we consider what God did for us. We aren't just sheep. Bible says in Romans 5 that we were his enemies. At least that's how we acted toward him. I saw a video of a shepherd getting rammed by one of his own sheep the moment he turned around. One minute he's leading his sheep and he turns around and he gets rammed in the back. That's what we are. We're sinners, stiff-necked, rebellious people. God didn't just risk his life for us in Jesus Christ, but he laid it down. Let his body be broken, his blood shed. That doesn't humble us. We don't know the gospel. But it's not only humbling. What it also means is that we are lifted up, elevated, exalted beyond anything that we deserve. You see, What is condescension for Jehovah is elevation for us. I remember when I was a boy in school, we'd make teams and play games at recess. And we were the younger kids. So usually when we would play a game, we would lose. But that made it a big deal when one of the bigger, older, stronger, and faster kids was put on our team. What was almost certainly a demotion for that bigger, older, stronger kid was a promotion for us. Just having that bigger kid on our team made us all feel bigger and more important. Probably made us play harder too. When Jehovah is our shepherd, by its very nature, that lifts us up. There is no higher honor than to have the eternal God identify himself with you and draw himself to you. 
The psalmist is not just making a statement with this text, you see. He's making a boast. He is glorying in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then there's all the work the shepherd does for us, which is all aiming to lift us up. Sheep who lack the things they need are going to be sick and weak. They're not going to have the thick and white wool of a healthy sheep. When people pass by and watch these sheep trying to eke a living out of the barren pastures they have been led in, they're going to say things, oh, look at those wretched creatures. Who's taking care of those sheep? But sheep who are cared for, sheep who do not want the things that they need, they're going to flourish. They're going to be strong. They're going to produce things of value to the shepherd like white wool. The people who pass by are going to say things like, look at that healthy stock of animals. Not that the sheep made themselves that way. The sheep would have run off and been eaten by a wolf if they were left to themselves. It was the shepherd who always fed them, always cared for them, always protected them, and his care for them made them flourish. And that lifts them up. And that's the way it is with our shepherd. He feeds us with eternal life and nourishes our souls with living water. And all his work and care for us causes us to flourish and to grow spiritually. He justifies and sanctifies us so that we begin to live in all good works. And ultimately, he's going to take us into the glory of heaven. And there we will show forth his glory in everything we do. He elevates us. He lifts us up. And of course, what this relationship means for us ultimately is a great deal of comfort. I shall not want. I shall not lack. It's an amazing statement. And the psalmist means it absolutely. I shall not want. I shall not lack. I may go through some awful and painful times in my life. I may experience suffering and trials. I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack. Even if I go astray, even if I get caught up for a time in the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and I torment my own conscience with sin in the world, even if my soul is afflicted with doubts and the constant battle against the old man of sin and his devices, my shepherd will not abandon me. If I wander off, he will leave the ninety and nine good sheep Patiently, he will seek me out, and he will bring me back. He will look in every ditch. He will look behind every boulder till he finds me, brings me home. No man can pluck me out of the hand of my shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. I cannot even pluck myself out of his hand, even if I tried. The Lord is my shepherd. That's who he is, and I am his sheep. That's who I am. I shall not want. Is that your confession, beloved? Do you say with the psalmist David, the Lord is my shepherd? 
That's what David is doing here. He's not just making a declaration. He's not just informing us of something. He's singing. He's proclaiming and confessing his faith. This is what I believe. This is true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You people of the world, you can have your shepherds. Maybe your shepherd is Baal or Dagon or one of the other idol gods. Maybe your shepherd is the king or the earthly ruler who claims absolute authority and holds his shepherd's crook in his hand. Maybe your shepherd is the pope with his staff. Maybe you think of yourself as your own shepherd and you say, I don't need any shepherd other than myself. I'm my own free, autonomous being. But whatever you may say, this is what I say for myself. This is my song, my confession. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, he is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you come to the Lord's table this morning, beloved, this is what you are confessing. The table that is spread before us is the table that the shepherd spreads for his sheep. It's not a table for wolves who wear sheep's clothing. It's not a table for goats who do not sincerely turn to the Lord as their shepherd. The table is for those who hear the voice of the shepherd who says to them, Come, all ye who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Follow me. I will feed you. I will give you the waters of everlasting life. If that's not you, you better stay away. For the warning of Scripture is that on the last day, Christ will separate the sheep from the goats. There will be judgment. But let not that warning deter you who believe. Don't think, well, sometimes I have doubts, sometimes I sin, sometimes I don't feel all that sincere, therefore this table must not be meant for me. No, beloved, it's for you. It's for you. If you find in this meat and drink the very thing that you are lacking, that is the forgiveness of your sins, the hope of a new life, because you understand your guilt and you understand your brokenness. This table is for you. That's the shepherd calling you. Don't be afraid to come. Come. Eat and drink. Confess and sing with David and with the church of all ages. Jehovah the Lord, he is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word and the truth of it. We thank thee for putting this word in our hearts and in our mouths so that we confess this and so that we can come to the table this morning assured and with boldness that thou art the God who feeds and nourishes our soul unto everlasting life. We pray that we may dispel all doubts, that we may come believing, and that partaking of the body and blood of our Lord, we may grow.
grow spiritually, grow in the strength of our assurance, and grow in our walk with him, our shepherd. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.